Hello, hello, everybody. It's uh, Stefan Molyneux from Free Domain. Hope you're doing well. Yes, this is me getting just a little bit teeny, tiny, <laughs> tinsy bit sick of your old studio. But uh, I'm going to uh, uh, just give a bit of a comfy chair chat with you guys, see how you're doing, and really ask that question, the question that I guess kind of matters a lot. How can philosophy help you today? So I am going to ask that question, I'm going to get your feedback, and I am going to work my brain to your benefit as much as I humanly can to ask that question, well, how can philosophy help you today? Now, just as we sort of wait for people to uh, trickle or flood in like a tsunami of relentless carbon-based curiosity, I suppose... um, I've been getting some questions, of course, and the questions I've been getting uh, have to do with a couple of racial, well, one racial, one not racial incidents that happened lately. And love your stuff. Hello, everybody. Hello, Jose. Hello, Eli Ben. Hello, Freeland. Hello, Spellbound Bear. Hello, Chris Garner. What about that Floyd guy? Do you you want to, um, do you want to know about... (laughs) The Floyd guy, do you want to go know about the woman in Central Park and her interaction with the bird watcher? Elizabeth says, philosophy helped me use logic over emotion. Fantastic. Uh, I'm sorry that this is not a tadpole update. Of course, that is the most important aspect of things. Uh, and uh, is the, um, is the uh, stream coming through okay? Just uh, let me know. Is there an opposite to everything? Uh, that's very interesting. Opposite to north is south, opposite to center is extreme, opposite to east is west, opposite to truth is lie, opposite to love is indifference, or hatred, indifference. Is there an opposite to everything? No, because if you say there is not an opposite to, if you say there is an opposite to everything, well, there's a statement there is not, yeah, could be, could be that there's an opposite to everything. You're getting me tangled up in logical conundrums right at the very beginning which is uh, very, very excellent. And um, do you guys want to do... Oh, uh, eHonda720 says, I've been doing YouTube live chats for over a year now, inspired in part by you. I would love to have a chat sometime, man. Very, very kind. Can they be good without evil? Absolutely. That's like saying, can there be health without disease? Well, sure, sure. Is what you're sitting on a chair? (laughs) Yes, it is not a platonic chair. It is an Aristotelian chair, but that is generally... Uh, Arbery was not jogging. Yeah, that's true. But um, I have, of course, been getting a lot of questions. You know, I got to tell you guys, kind of funny. I don't know if you have this, if you have YouTube channels or whatever it is. But, you know, there's a certain kind of sinister troll that lurks around channels. And they have a kind of trident pronged, forky, stab at the dads kind of situation, right? They're just, they're just kind of sinister, right? And so because I do talk about sort of racial conflict issues all the way back to um, Zimmerman and um, Trayvon Martin and Eric Garner and uh, Mike Brown and, and all of that stuff. So what happens is if I've, I've just done the Ahmad Aubrey thing versus the Michaels, and of course, you know, like I did a little video today of my daughter and I playing with tadpoles and people are like, oh, yeah, where's your justification for the takedown of the Floyd guy, you know, like, and they're just kind of sinister, sinister people. Or like you still get the, I haven't had a producer now for probably about 18 months. And it's like, where's your producer? Like, 
Like he stuffed in a freezer in my basement or something. Where's your producer, man? It's like, you know, things change. Um, no need to panic. You know, malls get torn, torn down and people, people's working relationship change. Or the other is, why don't you debate Cantbot? It's because this Cantbot guy, you know, I don't mean to call him out without, uh, without him being present, but I just not really worthy. But there is a good debate coming up Sunday, 4 p.m. Eastern time. That's 4 p.m. 4 p.m. New York time. We're going to be live stream it. On this very channel, Stephen Woodley, I think his name is, but Rationality Rules and I are going to have a debate on UPB. He, I think, has probably been one of the people who has been pulling at the strands of UPB the hardest over the last couple of years. Uh, Got to respect that. You know, it is a theory of ethics that I claim to be a massive advancement, if not one of the greatest advancements in the history of philosophy. So it's kind of good that... Uh, you take a, a hammer at it, or people take a hammer at it, see if it stands, and he's been hammering at it pretty hard. We've been going back and forth on YouTube. He's got a new video called Molyneux's Humean Suicide, which you should check out. The ch channel is Rationality Rules. And so we're going to have a debate. Um, it probably is not going to be a particularly nice debate, but it sure is going to be a fun debate. I will guarantee that. For sure, for sure. The opposite of arousal is disgust? Well, maybe. You know what's interesting? So um, conservatives have been regularly clocked at having a huge amount of uh, revulsion at unclean things. It's kind of a, a K versus R selection thing. It's also interesting how it is the conservatives who figured out or at least the anti-socialists, who figured out how dangerous coronavirus could be, could be, um, early, early on. So, and the conservative countries have dealt with them pretty well. And of course, the Republican districts are doing much better than the Democrat districts in the U.S. And I would imagine that that's the case across the West, that we have um, more conservative areas doing better than more Republican areas. So uh, do, me, do me a favor, my friends, if you could. Uh, can you just just push a Y if you want me to talk about the Floyd case and the uh, woman who got into the fairly crazy altercation with the man, the black guy in um, Central Park. If you want me to talk about that, I can. If you don't want me to talk about that, don't press Y. Just press Y in the chat here and let me know uh, what's uh, what's going up. Why, 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 why? Somebody gave up weed? Good for you, man. Good for you. That is a good thing. Giving up on weed is great. Couple of N's, whole lot of Y's. Yes, please. Shall we? Shall we cover it? Yeah, okay. <laughs> it looks like everybody wants to uh, wants to cover it, and that is totally, uh, totally fine with me. I'm happy to talk about it, and I may have some opinions, I suppose, that are... A little bit surprising to you, uh, and I'm happy to talk about those. Let me just, uh, since I am a near-infinite team of one, <laughs> let me just uh, share this uh, stream a couple different places. Oh, what a lovely thumbnail of me looking all kinds of friendly. That's a funny thing, too, you know. I mean, I know I have a bad reputation in certain circles of crazed leftists, and it's actually kind of interesting that the guy who uh, founded Wikipedia has said it's basically become a leftist cesspool of bias and degradation. And, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to seem to be 
uh, does seem to be the case. If you guys could like and share the stream, I would be uh, enormously uh, happy, uh, enormously grateful. And um, I'm going to assume that it's coming through okay. And uh, we'll start in just a second here. Um, I mean, I did share at the very beginning, but we will share here. Get a couple more people in as best we can. And then I will tell you all about my thoughts about these two cases, which are actually very interesting, very interesting in a way that uh, Ahmad Arbery was not uh, particularly interesting. Just do a quick refresh, refresh here over on YouTube Studio because... Uh, it doesn't seem to be that uh, it's flowing through beautifully through to YouTube, but let's see. You can tell me. You can tell me. Uh, all right. All right. So we will do. I tell you what. I'll do the Floyd. And that's a great concert. One of the best concerts I actually went to was um, Roger Waters and uh, David Gilmour. Uh, I don't know if they were Pink Floyd at the time, but it was a big outdoor amphitheater in Toronto. And I remember at the end, there's this great song, the lunatics are on the grass, and they lit up the whole grassy area where all of the Pink Floyd fans were watching. It was very, very cool. Andrew says, I never got to thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm glad that philosophy is uh, helping. Do we need to join your Discord to have a call in with you? Uh, at the moment, yes. Um, I'm still working on um, opening up the... Uh... See, without a producer who was sort of gathering and organizing the call-in shows. I was kind of doing these one-on-one catch-as-catch-can call-in shows. Now, Friday, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and Sundays, 11 a.m. Eastern. Sorry, you know that. I do a, a call-in with people and you can listen live on Discord. The Discord server is wired into my Subscribestar subscription model. So you can go to subscribestar.com forward slash free domain and listen, it's three bucks a month. It's really nothing. I don't even make three bucks a month out of it after everyone cars off their slice. But it's just a way of keeping the uh, top level trolls off. It's a really great community in there. Uh, we've got people doing uh, health contests. We've got people playing Dungeons and Dragons. We have people uh, playing Minecraft. Uh, my daughter and I will play Minecraft from time to time. And it really is. And we have the call-in shows. And there's lots of people. The community is like voice, video. Um, chat, uh, all kinds of things. It's really, really a lot of fun. And I haven't had that for a while because we used to have a community server way back in the day, but it was kind of open to everyone. It wasn't wired into any kind of subscription model. So uh, I really, really strongly recommend it. I'm in there when I'm working away on videos. I'll be in there chatting and all that. It's really, really worth it. And it's a great community. And, you know, especially in these times of solitude, to some degree, it's well worth checking out. So yes, at the moment, that is that is the case. But here, of course, you don't have to uh, be part of that to ask me a question here. Okay, so let's talk about what has been going on with um, this. Uh, it's really, really a, a rather terrible, uh, terrible situation. So what happened? So this happened in Minneapolis, and I'm not going to play the video. Uh, it's really, really, uh, really terrible. So the fellow's name is George Floyd. And there have been, of course, a lot of protests and rioting and so on. And uh, it's... Uh, uh, it's pretty rough. And these four cops have been fired over George Floyd's death. And so there's there's video kind of coming out at the moment. But uh, this is what, this is from TMZ. A Minneapolis man, this is uh, George Floyd, 
is dead after a police officer put his knee on the man's neck and kept it there despite pleas by the man that he couldn't breathe and now the FBI is on the case. It happened Monday night when cops were responding to a forgery in progress. <laughs> now I have this world, this fantasy planet, wherein cops respond to a forgery in process by kicking in the doors of the Fed and shutting that piece of shit down. So anyway, a forgery in progress, police arrived and saw the suspect sitting in a car. According to the department, the man resisted arrest, so he was placed in handcuffs, adding, quote, he appeared to be suffering medical distress. The police department added, at no time were weapons of any type used by anyone involved in this incident. So um, the great Jesse Lee, Reverend Jesse Lee Peterson, JLP Talk, you should follow him on Twitter. He posted a video just before I came on the live stream here, and the uh, the cops are trying to get the man out of the uh, out of the car, right? And he appears to be resisting. It's kind of hard to tell. There's not a big altercation, but he's really resisting getting out of the car, as far as I can see. And from there, there's not a lot of clarity. He doesn't appear to be resisting resist in the footage uh, that I saw of him from a restaurant security camera uh, pointed at the street. And then the next video that I've seen, and listen, I, I really find this stuff stomach-turning, so I apologize. I've read the transcripts. I've looked at bits of it. I can't, you know, like I, I just can't look. I mean, I can. I really, really don't want to have in my head. It was hard enough doing the Arbery video and watching him stagger away after the fatal chest shot. And uh, George Floyd with the, uh, the policeman is kneeling with his uh, knee on the neck. He's like, George Floyd is lying face down. The policeman is kneeling with his uh, knee on the neck of, of George Floyd, and George Floyd is saying, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, I hurt all over, you're killing me, and uh, it's just, uh, it's absolutely, uh, it, it's a monstrous thing to uh, to see. And uh, let me just get into a few more details about this. So you, you see the man on the ground in cuffs as an officer puts his knee on his neck, and the African-American man cries out, please, I can't breathe, the officer doesn't budge as another officer passively watches. It's apparent the man is in distress as a passerby screams, that's bullshit, bro. You're stopping his breathing right there, bro. Get him off the ground, bro, adding the officer was, quote, enjoying it. The man becomes motionless, an ambulance shows up, and the man is taken to the hospital where he died. The officers whose body cams were on and activated during the incident were placed on administrative leave, and the FBI is now investigating. And, of course, um, they have since that been, since then been been fired. Now... There's missing footage, and I got to tell you, I mean, it's obviously, it, it's pretty hard to see how things can escalate to the point where, although George Floyd is face down and handcuffed, that an officer needs to put his knee on George Floyd's neck to the point where he seems to choke out. Now, people are saying, ah, but he's talking, therefore he can breathe, and it's like, you know, you can, with your last ga gasp, you can do things like that. Um, I don't know. It's hard to say. Um, I mean, with the, was it, um, with people before, like the, the big guy who was taken down for selling illegal cigarettes, uh, he had, I think, an asthma uh, situation. So I don't know. Uh, there'll be an autopsy. Was there a heart attack? Did he have an underlying health condition? Uh, I don't know. Is this a standard operating practice? If the police have been trained to use their knees on the back of a suspect's neck if they suspect uh, perhaps, you know, PCP or whatever. Again, I'm not saying he was on it. I don't know, obviously, and, and there doesn't seem to be a lot of evidence that he was. Uh, 
This fight the cop stuff, though, I mean, that's just dumb. Like, please, people, just stop fighting the cops. I mean, it doesn't justify anything that happened to this man. But, you know, just stop. Stop fighting the cops. Uh, just surrender and don't try and uh, take on the cops. Uh, it, it is not going to go well. And if the cops are in the wrong, I know it's a horrible thing to go through. But just surrender and, and fight it out. Uh, legally after the fact. So maybe these cops are completely in the, in the wrong. And, and I, I can't, cause, but you know, I have a tough time commenting a lot on a lot of police work, right? In the same way that, you know, if I see someone stab someone in the throat, it's like, well, he's a surgeon and he needed an emergency tracheotomy because the Heimlich maneuver wasn't work. I have a tough, because I'm not a cop. I don't know all of the rules of engagement. I'm not a lawyer. I've not been trained in this stuff. So from the outside looking in, it's like, man, this looks horrible. Basically, like they knee crushed this guy's windpipe to the point where he died, even after he was restrained on the ground, begging for his life and handcuffed. That is some bad stuff, man. That is horrible stuff. That is, you, you imagine your brother or so on, like in this situation, or you in this situation. So, yes, he shouldn't have resisted the cops. That is a, a ridiculously dumb thing to do. It is going to set dominoes in motion that can result in an extremely destructive situation. But the fact that he resisted the cops, of course, in no way gives them the right to put a knee on the back of his neck. And if that is what caused, and of course, it looks like, it really looks like that's what caused his death. I don't know. I don't know. And so it's hard for me to comment on this kind of stuff when it comes to the legality of it. So chokeholds are allowed, and there are situations wherein this kind of restraint can occur. Where there's footage that is missing, it's really, really hard to know what is going on. So, like the whole Rodney King thing, right? Where Rodney King was blazing through a neighborhood at high speed, could endangering people. There were, I think, two other blacks in the car with him. He resisted arrest, uh, and the police had to whack him to take him down. And the two other blacks who did not resist arrest were, were arrested no problem, at least no violence. And so when, when the media cut out all of the violence that Rodney King was directing at the cops and then only showed them beating him down at the end, and in fact, the chief of police, when he heard that it had been filmed, he was like, oh, fantastic, we can use this for training purposes because I was out there and this was textbook how you take down a violent su uh, suspect. And so I need to see all the video footage. I need to see the autopsy. I mean, I can tell you my gut sense is that uh, it's terrible. My gut sense is it's terrible. I'll say something else too, which I don't know. I mean, I'm always, I have this urge to, t it's not like I want to get in trouble, but it's really, really important to put this kind of stuff in perspective. This was a terrible situation uh, and uh, it looks, it looks really, really bad. And, you know, of course, if the cops did act over and above what was valid, what was trained for, what was legal, you know, put them, put them in jail. Put him in jail. I'm 100% behind that. But um, as far as what is troubling the black community, you know, three quarters of the kids are growing up without dads. Half the women report being raped as children by black men before they grow up. There are massive drug problems. There's uh, massive criminality problems and so on. Like when people talk about the relationship with the black community or the young male black community and the cops, it is a tangled relationship. It is a challenging relationship because there is a lot of crime coming out of the young black male community. A lot of crime, particularly a lot of violent crime. Now, I've talked about IQ differences. We've talked about the warrior gene being much more prevalent in uh, young black men. And all of this, of course, 
is factors involved? I personally think that the biggest factor is the lack of fatherhood, lack of fathers uh, in the household. Because remember, the welfare state pays women to have children and penalizes them enormously if there's if they're married and there's a man in the house, right? So you couldn't design a social system more carefully or more specifically to churn out potentially violent criminals. And it's just wretched. So there's a lot of stuff that's going on in the black community that can be solved by certain changes within the black community. And look, again, this doesn't do anything to say this was his fault or anything. I mean, this this poor guy, George Flood, I mean, he's a working guy. Uh, he was a, a bouncer. He was a security guard and so on. He was seemed like a stand-up working guy. Uh, again, we'll find out. And it all came because there was, I think it was a $10 note that was perceived to be fraudulent or, or potentially counterfeit. And the store that he was in has a policy that says you've got to call the cops. And then, like, it's not great that he didn't stay in the store uh, and he went out to his car and then resisted arrest. That's not great, of course. So it, it sets events in motions that can go badly. But uh, all of this over a $10 counterfeit. Now, again, you know, counterfeit is bad. Uh, but again, if you're going to get into counterfeit, we'd go back to the Federal Reserve and so on. So that's sort of my uh, my series of, uh, of thought about it. Uh, and um, let me, um, sorry, I didn't quite get caught up with the uh, with the chat here. Uh, let me just get you... Uh, thought uh that was murder period well see listen sean i get it look i mean please please let's not jump to conclusions and let you know like okay so more whites than blacks were lynched in some states in the u.s but the black historical issue with lynching which is you know some black guy was accused of a client of a crime the white guys would get into a grab a bunch of horses and go string up the black guy from a tree, that's horrible. That's extrajudicial, quote, justice. It, that is a lynching, right? And, you know, black people have every right to be enraged, frustrated, and horrified at people who jump to conclusions about a crime. And don't do it. Like, don't do that. This is the essence of civilization. It's real easy to join into the mob. And, of course, when we look at those videos and... It's not even right to say we get triggered by those videos because the videos are godforsakenly horrible. And But the officers, they know they're being recorded. They know they have body cams on. And there was a guy, a couple of guys saying, you're choking him, man. He's dying. Let him up. Let him breathe. There's a reason why they didn't do it. Now, that reason may be that they're horrible racists. They hate black men. And they wanted to choke this guy out while being filmed, while having body cams in full view of everyone they just wanted to kill a guy so that they could all go to jail as cops in a jail with a significantly black community in there who were going to hate them and probably uh, attack them, assault them, kill them, rape them, God knows what, in jail. Maybe. They're just such horrible racists that they decide to kill this guy while being filmed, while wearing body cams. But come on, I mean, that is that is a big freaking stretch. And we'll see. We'll see. Maybe they're insane people who will murder a man while being filmed. Maybe. That's not something I'd put a lot of money on. You know, if you're like a horrible racist guy, you'll go and find some way to harm blacks or or whites or whoever it is that you have the racial issue with. You'll find some way to harm them, which doesn't involve your filming yourself and being filmed all around you. I'm just... Again, I don't know what the rules of engagement are to a specific detail. I do know that these kinds of holes are around. And 
I know that I think it was Eric Garner who had underlying health issues and, and so on. Again, we'll, we'll see. I also know, of course, that uh, when people who resist arrest, whether they're black or white or whoever, or the three Asians it happens to, I also know, of course, that from studying this stuff in the past, that when people resist arrest, they will always complain about being hurt. And then sometimes what happens is you say, oh, I'm hurting you by holding you too tightly. Let me loosen my grip. And then they use that loosening to get free and attack you. So the cops have a tough job and we'll see. I mean, it, it could be, you know, it could be that these guys are just terrible guys who are willing to kill someone in cold blood in plain sight while filming themselves and being filmed by everyone. Uh, it's hard to imagine, or there could be some particular rules of engagement that justify what happened. And by justify, I don't mean it's morally good. I just mean it's legally acceptable. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. But, you know, please uh, try not to, um, try not to go into, it was just plain up. It was just plain up murder. Uh, it's just, I think those cops should be let out into the mob, but we all know that isn't going to happen. Well, here's the thing, man. Look, I get it. Look, I understand. But we have, this is a philosophy channel, man. Like, you got to be a little more freaking civilized than that. There has to be some due process. There has to be some review of evidence. If these guys are guilty, throw them in jail. Absolutely. And and I don't like the fact that, that it's legal or it seems to be legal for cops to kneel on the neck of someone while they're lying face down for like eight or ten minutes. I don't I don't get how that's allowed, but... We'll we'll find out as as time goes forward, but it's real easy to jump to conclusions, to join into the mob, and to beg for people's blood and to pay for people's blood. I mean, if if you're that kind of person, please get the hell off my channel. Like, please just log off, go away, and say how much you dislike me. Say, uh, oh, that Steph guy, he's a terrible guy. His philosophy channel is crap. Uh, he's all into this due process and waiting for evidence, and he's not about dragging people out into the streets and dismembering them because the mob is angry and before the facts are in. If you're that kind of person, please feel free to frack right off and keep fracking right off until you frack off to the other end of the universe for me. Just please go post how terrible I am. Go post how you're fine with mob justice tearing people apart. You're fine with lynch mobs. You're an uncivilized barbarian of a human being. And you dislike me. I thoroughly, I, I, if I could pay you to do that, I would. But you are thoroughly invited to frack right off and keep fracking right off until there's no other fracking off that is possible. So um, uh, now, uh, if you do want to, uh, I don't browse Paul. Um, so could you uh, do me a favor? Just if you wanted to talk about, and, and listen, I mean, I, I talk about this kind of stuff more on Twitter. So don't forget to follow me at Stefan Molyneux on Twitter. Oh, but if the gods had only given me a slightly easier name to, uh, to spell, um, that would be, uh, <laughs> that would be better. So if you do want me to talk about the woman who got fired after this uh, confrontation in the park, I would be happy to talk about that if you guys find that helpful. Otherwise, I'm happy to take your questions and we can get to uh, to that. Uh, in the last call-in show, you said that dysfunctional parents want their kids to fail. Why is that? Well, uh, they want their kids to fail because if the parents are failures, though, so here's how you fail in life. It's actually quite simple. If you want to fail in life, all you need to do is 
externalize what is called your locus of control. So your locus of control is the dance that you have with the world and how much you can affect and how much you can control. I would love the world to be sensible and rational. I'm in a dance with the world. If you provoke the world too much, you get destroyed. If you don't provoke the world enough, nothing advances. So that was a Aristotelian mean. You can only tell so many truths so much of the time. Because if you tell all the truths straight up, the blowback from the world will wipe you out and in, in one form or another. So I'm engaged in a dance with the world. I, I advance truth like uh, somebody who's fencing, like with the tipped swords rather than the Huck Finn style. So the thrust and parry and move and dodge and advance and retreat and, and all of that, as far as advancing, the truth goes, it's like advancing with an army, right? I mean, you don't just load up everyone and charge down the hill because you'll just get wiped out, right? There's subterfuge, there's spying, there's backtracks, there's betrayals, there's diplomacy, there's attack, there's like, it's a whole complicated thing to advance the truth. And I really am incredibly proud with the advice coming from people like you of the job that I've done advancing the truth and moving the Overton window over the last 15 years. It's been really, really a challenge, right? So I just sort of wanted to point out the sort of locus of control. I am in control of my relationship to the truth, but I'm not in control of the world's relationship to the truth. So if I just said, you know, tell all the truth and no matter what and, and shame the devil and, well, okay, that's just charging straight into enemy fire, you just get wiped out. So there's a dance involved in this kind of stuff. So the way that you fail in life is actually quite simple. What you do is you say everything is everyone else's fault. Everything is everyone else's fault. Why am I not succeeding? Well, it's everyone else's fault. Why am I not succeeding? Because there's a system in place, because there's systemic racism, or there's, uh, or there's sexism, or the rich won't let me get ahead, or my boss sucks, or I, I can't save any money because of inflation. Or like you, All you do is whenever there's a problem in your life, you just externalize it. And you make the problem not your fault. Now, not your fault is pretty sweet. Not your fault is pretty sweet. However, the devil says, not your fault. Reality says, not your responsibility. Now, those two are very, very different things. Not your fault is the sugar. Not your responsibility is the poison. If it's not, like, let's say that you're in solitary confinement. It's not your fault that you don't go hiking. Let's say that you're unjustly imprisoned. It's not your fault your career is not advanced right it's not your fault then that's and 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 it's not your responsibility because it's not your fault and it's genuinely not your fault and i have lots of sympathy for that if you are uh, sick uh, and something just happened to you like i'm a healthy guy and to get cancer so if you're sick okay that's not your fault but given that you like given that I have been sick, I have to be extra careful about things like radiation exposure, sun exposure, I have to eat well, I have to maintain healthy weight, I have to exercise all the good things that keep the cancer from coming back. So the devil comes along and says, I can give you the sweet relief of something not being your fault. And we all know people like this. You know, well, why did your relationship break up? Oh, she was crazy. Well, why did you choose a crazy woman? Oh, there was no way to tell ahead of time, my God. Right? I mean, it's not, it's not your fault. Nothing's ever your fault. Nothing is ever your fault, and nothing ever changes. It becomes a groundhog day of ever-descending, spiraling dysfunction.
the great challenge in life is to say, yeah, the world is unjust. Yes, it is populated by crazy, bad, nasty, irrational, anti-rational people. Okay, that's a fact. So what are you going to do about it? Right. You have you may have a mean, bad, crazy boss who dislikes you because you're a good person. Okay. What are you gonna do about it? Right? Because a lot of people say, well, it's not my fault, and they go rubber bones and then they can't change, they can't advance, right? Like for years, many decades really, before I became or I morphed into what I'm doing now, I tried to I was a playwright, uh, I was an actor, I was a um a novelist, a poet, and tried to get my work published. And always the same thing would happen, that there would be this incredibly positive response to my work. People would literally love it. A PhD reviewer of my novel, The God of Atheists, said, finally, the great Canadian novel has been written. This guy had a PhD in literature, and he's like, this is the greatest Canadian novel I've ever read. So you sit there and go, okay, well, surely this can get published now. And no. I've always run into this really weird, creepy hostility with regards to my art. And of course, you can see it with philosophy as well. You'll certainly probably see it (laughs) Sunday at 4 p.m. in my debate, which you really should watch live. There'll be, this will be uh, intellectual pyrotechnics that you really will want to see live. I think it'd be very exciting to see it live and contribute in the comments. And so for me, when it comes to bringing my gifts to the attention of the world, and my gifts are considerable, and I take that not with pride, but with humility, like I have to really do something good with my gifts, You have to be like water going down a mountainside, right? So water going down a mountainside will hit rock after rock after obstacle after tree after gully after valley, you name it, right? And what do you do when you're water and you're going down a hillside? You hit an obstacle, you go around it. You find another way. You just keep adapting and you just keep adjusting so that you move forward no matter what. So parents who failed have failed because they have externalized the source of their problems. Oh, your mother's crazy. Oh, the the system wouldn't let me get ahead. Oh, my boss hated me. Oh, there was a recession. Oh, um, they outsourced my jobs to to China or India or, or Mexico or whatever, right? Oh, I'm a guy. They wouldn't hire me because diversity. And they always have an excuse. Losers, failures, always have an excuse. Now, working and striving and changing your course and so on, doesn't guarantee that you're going to succeed. But given that most people, when they hit resistance, they just go rubber bones and blah, 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 external causes, basically, all you have is somebody who goes steps further and you win. There's an old Jerry Seinfeld joke about the 100 meter dash, like how it's like one twelve hundredth of a second you lose by. And the guy's like, man, if I had a pimple, I'd have won, (laughs) right? I mean, you, you don't have to be great. You just have to be better. Like that old joke about two, Africans uh, who see a lion and one of them runs away and says, uh, um, I don't have to run super fast. I just have to run faster than you, right? That's human competition, right? So you, if you're willing to just keep willing and keep pushing and never take no for an answer and find a way, you're ahead of 95% of the population already. It's that old thing that success is 99% perspiration, only 1% inspiration, right? And so parents who fail have externalized the causes of their failures. Nothing to do with them. It's everything to do with the system. Like my mom. My mom genuinely believes that doctors injected her with illnesses that drove her crazy and caught her to mistreat her children. 
And she spent decades in and out of court trying to prove this. And it's all nonsense. Why I couldn't give her any money because she just ha kept handing it to shyster lawyers to pursue this abuse of cases. And so my mother, for my mother, she had no cause in the matter. She had no responsibility in the matter of mistreating me. It was the fault of the doctors. It was the fault of, you know, the people who just mistreatedly poisoned her for no reason and all that, right? And so because of that, she gained relief from having to confront her capacity to harm a child. And that's the, that's the it's not my fault. It's not my fault. Why did I abuse my children? That wasn't my fault. I was, the doctors made me sick, right? And, but then she gets not my responsibility, right? Which is not my responsibility. So there's nothing in her that needs to change. And in fact, she would demand sympathy from me for the harm that she'd caused her because I just didn't understand how sick she was or how sick, right? And this is after doctors had told her, like, we can't find anything physically wrong with you. We've run every test in the book and there's nothing wrong with you. So parents who've said, all of my failures are not my failures. They're the failures of the system. Again, like an old Monty Python joke that always stuck with me for reasons I understood much later. A guy gets arrested and uh, he says, all right, you got me, but society is to blame. And the cop says, agreed, we'll be charging them too. <laughs> right? I mean, it's tragic. It's tragic comic, right? So parents say, my failures are not my fault, which means that I couldn't have succeeded. I couldn't have succeeded. Now, if you then succeed, then that challenges the externalization of the failure cause from the parent. Take a silly example. It's not that silly, I guess. But so take the example of, you know, a black mom and dad who fail and they say, well, it's because we live in a racist society and there was slavery, segregation and Jim Crow. And you can't get ahead because whites hate blacks or whatever, right? Okay, so let's say their son is Ben Carson, who is a brilliant surgeon who has separated co-joined twins and, and is just a completely brilliant guy or... I mean, it could be any number of, of, of people that you, Denzel Washington, it could be Morgan Freeman, it could be um, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, it could, it could be any number of, of brilliant, wonderful, nice, pleasant, great <laughs> black people. And, or, or Dick Gregory, the guy who introduced me uh, at one of the Libertopia things, or Wilt Alston, who I've done articles with, who's also a really great guy. So, so, if, if the blacks say, well, I can't succeed because of white racism, institutionalized racism, and then their son succeeds, that's a challenge for them, right? Because then they have to look back and say, all of my excuses were what destroyed me, not anything fundamentally external. I could, of course, have said, I came from such a bad background. I was, you know, I was beaten, mentally tortured. Uh, I was abused. My mother was institutionalized on a regular basis. Uh, I was hungry. Uh, I had to pay my own bills since I was 15. I came from such a cratered, flaming, hellscape wreckage of a childhood, I could have given myself every conceivable excuse in the book to act badly. And uh, don't get me wrong, for a little while I kind of flirted with it. <laughs> so I was close to that edge, close to that edge. Down by the water. But once I said to myself, if I use my history as an excuse... I lose the future. The past wins. I will be void mains when history wins. If I use the past, I lose the future.
I have to have the same standards as if I was raised perfectly, and that way I can get out of this goddamn hellscape of an environment. Because it's not just your own individual childhood. Like when you have a terrible childhood, you're surrounded by everybody who has terrible childhoods, and you're surrounded by, you know, broke-ass, destructive, weird people, right? Like I mentioned this once before, we moved in, my mom and I moved into a new apartment, and the people next door invited us over for like mid-afternoon tea or something like that. And we're like, oh, great, you know, nice people we can meet. Uh, and then when we were heading over, there were cops there because this guy who was an ex-cop had shot us, got into a fight with his wife and shot his gun into the wall. This kind of place we were in, man. I mean, it was bad. It was bad. And you just got to claw your way out of it. Now, of course, if I can get out, what about all the people who got left behind? Well, the people who got left behind in general got left behind because... They said, well, I'm here because of a system or I've been too broken up by my childhood to, to ever be happy or I can't get out or I can't leave these people behind or I have to have loyalty to these people who destroyed me. And they just take choice and choice and choice away from themselves to the point where they can't get out. So that's why they want you to to fail. That's really, really, really tragic. Um, would you like me to talk about... The woman in Central Park, or shall I just take more of your questions? This is the woman. She got fired because everybody called this park confrontation with the birdwatcher or the alleged birdwatcher racist. And I've had a lot of thoughts about that, which may or may not be of interest to you and will certainly be um, surprising to you, at least, I think. But um, I just wanted to uh, I wanted to check. Q&A? Hong Kong? Yeah, well, the State Department, I think, has just told that Hong Kong is no longer independent of China, right? So the whole point behind Hong Kong in 1997, when the British handed it back to China, was, well, you see, after women got the vote, England lost the empire, right? It's just the way that it works. But um, there was this idea that if you hand Hong Kong back to China, Hong Kong will infect China with its liberal policies, right? Because Hong Kong is like this odd little reflection of 19th century Britain, where the government very, very small, no real welfare state, very little taxes, and uh, incredible entrepreneurial opportunities. Uh, and you really got to watch my Hong Kong documentary. God help you, you can't find it on YouTube, but I'll tell you, save that topic or that rant for another time. But you can go to um, freedomain.com, just click on documentaries, and all of my documentaries are there. So, um, oh, hi, Andy. How you doing? Greetings, greetings back to you as well. So, yeah, it's, it's pretty bad what's going on with Hong Kong. And uh, China, of course, making moves on Taiwan. China making moves on Hong Kong. And uh, it, is, uh, it is bad. All right. Just push Y if you want me to hear the Hong Kong Park story. And uh, otherwise, I'll just take more questions. Greetings to Princess Unicorn as well. Uh, Mr. Washington says, you introduced me to Ayn Rand. You introduced me to Atlas Shrugged. It's now my favorite book. Now I read it five times. Thank you. It's a great, great uh, it is a great book. It absolutely is a great book. Oh, you know what? Let me remember uh, what it's like to go to um, uh, server, the uh, Discord server, the Freedomain Discord server. And let me just see if there are any questions there that I may have misty missed. All right. Hello, Discord. Do you feel like uh, responding? Not so much. Do you ever have this thing where like you, you close something that's not working, but you keep clicking and then you close down the thing behind it as well? All right. Let's just see here. It's not. Have we got a why? Have we got a why for these things? I'll tell you the story of the woman in the park whose life has pretty much been destroyed. Do you know it's funny? 
It was back in 2013 that that woman was the first scalp that the Twitter mob got. The woman who was flying to South Africa, and she before she got on the plane, she said, I'm going to Africa. Hope I don't get AIDS. No. Destroyed. Completely destroyed. What is the Sunday debate going to be about? Universally preferable behavior. Universally preferable behavior. Let's see here. Let me check my stream health. The stream's current bitrate is zero. Okay, so why would that be the case? Why or why? Let's see here. No, I got 5K per second going up. So it should be fine. Well, what can we do? We can, all we can do is keep on, keep on trucking, right? How about a Mr. and Mrs. Molyneux philosophy night? Mm, I tried before. Molyneux reads Atlas Shrugged. Uh, yes. Do I have anything against Felix Rex from Black Pitch and Speaks, or can I try and set up a meeting between you two? No, I like him. I think he's a courageous guy. I think he's taken some bullets, and uh, he's got uh, some very good video production. Doesn't he live in... He's Canadian? Who's the guy who lives in uh, Japan? I can't recall. I can't recall. Is it lagging? Dear, oh dear. Why on earth would it be lagging? What am I reading these days? Uh, Dan Crenshaw's book I've started. Um, there's a book coming up on Epstein by Goodman that I wanted to uh, check out. And um, I mean, I do a lot of reading just just for the um, uh, That's what I'm reading at the moment. Uh, Sek or Czech says, I'm a 27-year-old woman who at 17 went into a late adolescent depression because of my parents. I didn't take care of my teeth and had to replace a tooth with an implant. How do I get over it? Makes me sad. Why would it make you sad to replace a tooth with an implant? I mean, I get that it's sad because you didn't take care of your teeth. But um, thank heavens we have that kind of technology at the moment, right? I mean, if we don't have that kind of technology, then, uh, you know, things get uh, things get pretty bad, right? So... It's a lesson. You lost a tooth and you gained oral hygiene, and this will probably help you keep more teeth. Like, I still have my wisdom teeth uh, from from childhood. Um, I've had, yeah, I had to have one tooth removed because it never separated from the bone. Uh, anticlosed? Oh, I can't remember the, anti- I can't remember the phrase, but it never separated from the bone, uh, and it just, it got, it got weird. It got weird, so I had to kind of get it blown out. Why is it lagging? What is your opinion on stoicism? Uh, I will get to uh, stoicism uh, at some point, but it's not the kind of thing. YouTube is destroying itself as a platform? David Wood's channel got taken down for exposing persecution of Christians in Pakistan. Oh, yes. Well, uh, Ankylost, that's the one. Thank you. Um, yes, uh, the Christians by far the most persecuted group in the world uh, at the moment, and uh, even more so than philosophers. Do you think Freddie Mercury was unhappy? Well, I mean, he was a drug addict. He was wildly promiscuous, and he kept on having unprotected sex even after he tested negative for AIDS. And uh, so, yeah, uh, that is not the kind of thing that happens when someone is uh, is happy. That's just not how things would not really be doing that. My arm is broken, says Hunter Man. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, I hope you have... Uh, I hope that you have done uh, done something useful about that, and hope this didn't happen as a result of this or during this. Uh, hello, Stefan. It's been a while. Hope you're doing well. Hello, John. It's uh, nice to see you. I appreciate that. Battle Cat says, "Hey, chat." Um, so 
yeah, and the other thing too, of course, the big news is um, the big news is that uh, Twitter has been adding a fact check to one of Trump's tweets. That is a Rubicon that has been crossed, and it is a huge one. It is a huge Rubicon that's been crossed, and um, because so what happened was Trump put a tweet about how bad mail-in ballots could be. And Twitter appended a fact check to it. I think it was from CNN and the Washington Post saying, oh, it's not a big deal. And then, of course, some guy, uh, I think it was some mail guy high up who got uh, busted for mail fraud, voting fraud. Mail. So that is a very, very big deal. When you start appending fact checks to countries, leaders, tweets, then if you're going to say this is disputed or this is considered false, then you've just crossed a huge Rubicon and it's a massive, massive deal in the social media universe. Because um, if you don't then append the same fact-checking to the leaders of other countries, to other tweets, then you have just implicitly endorsed them as true. In other words, if you say, oh, this one ain't true, to one tweet in particular, then everything you don't append that to, you have now certified, to a large degree, as true. Well, that's a huge deal. I mean, call me naive as I tweeted, but my particular thought was that it was the voters who would do the fact check on the uh, on the politicians. So, um, is YouTube messing with me? Should we restart it? I've still got more. Uh, I've still got more stuff to chat about. Let's see here. Um, let me just check my... Uh, I don't think my CPU usage is too bad. Do system interrupts chew up half your CPU? <laughs> What is the point? System interrupts. What is the point? I do not understand it to save my life. Discord and rhyme. I'm on the hunt. I'm after you. It's so funny. I'm so triggered by music that anything. Uh, somebody says I get up. I get down. <laughs> so uh, that's the old uh, uh, yes song. I guess I can always come back in if I have to. Nice to see everyone on DLive and Facebook. Nice to see everyone over there on Periscope and uh, Twitch. Twitch, which means I must show you guys half a nip. Apparently, that's the rule. That's the rule. So, uh, yeah, it is a huge, huge situation um, with regards to um, the social media stuff. Now, Trump, of course, is starting to tweet uh, about, you know, he's going to take on big tech and this regulation and this, that and the other. And so power corrupts, right? Big tech has a huge amount of power. And it takes a person of extraordinary levels of integrity to not push the needle at social media companies in this way, right? It's really, really tough. It's really, really tough, right? So what happens is you've got, you know, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of users. And if you have the rule which says, if the speech is legal, we won't do anything about it, right? If it's not incitement of violence, if it's not fire in a crowded theater, which has never actually happened in real life. But if the speech is legal, we leave it be, right? If it's not a copyright issue, if it's not a death threat, if the speech is legal, we leave it be. That should be the standard, of course. Now, it's pretty tough around the world because speech that is legal in the U.S., which is the only country with the First Amendment, is not legal in other countries. And people have had these weird emails from the Pakistani government saying that you're in violation of free speech laws in Pakistan. And I think Michelle Malkin got one of those. And, and therefore, you know, to hell with you, we're uh, going to uh, do, do bad things. It's like, oh, does this mean I can't go to Pakistan? Okay, right. Um, that which is legal uh, in America, such as questioning the Holocaust, is not legal in most other Western countries. Uh, 
I'm sure it's pretty legal in South Ara Saudi Arabia. So I guess that means that Germany and Canada and other countries have that free speech issue in, uh, in, uh, in common with Saudi Arabia. Not that I question the Holocaust. I'm just saying that this is the law as far as all of that goes. And so it's pretty tough to maintain all of this stuff. Like if somebody's posting according to their First Amendment rights in the U.S., but that post shows up somewhere in Pakistan and it's illegal there, then what, right? It's, it's a complicated mess to, to work with. But um, certainly with regards to the U.S. election, it should be the case that all speech protected by the First Amendment should receive equal treatment uh, under, uh, under the law, right? That should be the rule. Like somebody posted, uh, sent me a message today saying that a little video I did with my daughter about tadpoles, they saw it in their feed. They came back to watch it because they subscribed to me uh, on YouTube and it was gone. I was like, well, it's, it's tadpoles. Come on. I mean, <laughs> it's really not the end of the world to, to, to have fun with tadpoles, right? But um, with the social media companies, if you just say, hmm, that's unsavory, you know, that's negative. I don't like that. That's inflammatory. That's offensive. That's upsetting. That's mean. That's abusive. It's all legal speech, right? It's all legal speech. But if you say that is so negative that I don't like it. So, you know, it started with Andrew Anglin. Uh, they moved on to um, PewDiePie and a bunch of other people. They caught me up in the net where it's like, well, what he's talking about is legal to talk about, but I don't like it. I don't want to be part of a platform. Where I don't want to promote these kinds of viewpoints, right? And it's really tempting. It's really, really incredibly tempting to have that kind of power to shape human discourse. that It's never really existed in the world before. Because in the world before, right, as you know, there were these gatekeepers, right? And the gatekeepers were, well, if we don't like what you've got to say, then we just won't hire you. We won't print you. We won't publish your book. We won't take you on as a newspaper. We won't, like, whatever, right? And then you had to be, you know, like Mel Gibson's char character in Conspiracy Theory, you had to be photocopy, typing stuff up, photocopying it and stuffing it in people's mailboxes and stuff like that. Or as I so talked about before, back in the day, uh, I took out an ad when I wrote a manifesto. I was actually just thinking whether I have that anywhere anymore. But I wrote something called the Rationalist Manifesto about what I wanted to do with regards to politics and, and the world and society and all of that. And I got people engaged and we had to write letters back and forth. I got, I don't know, 50 or 75 people engaged in it. And, you know, hi, if you ever hear this and were around for that. So before a human community of unvetted people who got through because there are no gatekeepers in social media, having this kind of intense, buzzing, central square human conversation, completely unprecedented in human history. And so being in control of that conversation, ooh. And, and resisting the temptation to put even the tiniest of feather on the way scale of human exchange, man, that is truly astonishing. And so as social media companies grew in power, in size and strength and influence, well, they were never supposed to grow in terms of influence, right? Because that's the deal in America, right? You probably heard of this Communications Act. I think it's Section 230 or something like that. So in the beginning... Of the, of the internet, there, was, uh, there were two problems, right? One was libel and slander and stuff like that, or illegal speech. And the other was copyright. And America and other countries did similar things. But America gave this deal to the emerging social media companies. They said, listen, we're going to render you immune to lawsuits for things like libel and slander and illegal speech as long as you remain neutral. 
in a, as long as you don't police speech, as long as you don't approve or disapprove according to some ideology, speech. If you take down speech because it's been deemed illegal or you take down speech as a result of a acceded to cease and desist or as the result of a successful suit against slander or libel, if you take down speech because of court actions, that's perfectly fine. But if somebody posts a death threat on your platform, you can't be sued for it. Now, of course, if you're a newspaper or magazine and you publish something that is defamatory, something that is uh, illegal, then you yourself are liable and you will get sued for that, as we've seen in a bunch of cases like the Covington boys, Nick Sandman and so on, sued CNN and CNN folded and and settled the lawsuit. And there was, uh, um, I think it was Rolling Stone that talked about the rape at a frat that uh, then didn't properly vet the story and they uh, were sued for all of that. So a publisher, of course, chooses what is put out in the magazine or the newspaper or the website or whatever, right? And so that limits their reach, that limits their growth because they have to carefully vet everything, otherwise they have legal exposure. And so with regards to copyright and with regards to illegal or libelous speech, the deal was that the social media companies could never be held liable for any of those things as long as they didn't put their fingers on the scale, as long as they didn't editorialize. In other words, they were called platforms, not publishers, right? So if someone drives to your house and shoots your dog, you can't sue the car company and you can't sue the road, right? You can sue the person, right? Or you get them thrown in jail, but you can't sue those people, right? Because they're like, hey, we just we just provide someone a car. We don't, you know, if somebody drunk drives, you can't sue the car company, right? Or you can't sue the road, right? Company. And so it's like, we're just, we're just a platform. We, we can't be held liable because so many people post so much and we can't possibly fact check or vet check or or law, legal check everything that people post right so, so that was that was the deal and that deal has been replicated in many different instances throughout the western world can't be sued for copyright can't be sued for illegal or slanderous speech you can't be held liable for the content of your platform as long as you're just a vehicle as long as you're just a neutral platform right if somebody mails you anthrax you can't sue the post office, because it's like, hey, man, all we just do is deliver stuff. We're not responsible for it, right? Now, when the social media companies start editorializing, they start to say, hmm, we like this. We don't like this. This is good. This is very bad. We'll let known terrorist organizations post on our site, but we're going to ban someone who says something we don't like, even though they're not a terrorist organization and so on, right? As soon as it becomes very clear that they are putting their fingers on the scale to the benefit of a particular political ideology, then they threaten the legal immunity from repercussions that they've been granted based upon their neutrality. Because social media companies, of course, have grown because they don't have to police content, right? That's why Google or let's say Facebook or Twitter, that's why they're bigger than any magazine or newspaper on the planet because magazines and newspapers on the planet got to vet everything that goes in, right? Or, or face legal consequences for what they publish. And so social media companies have grown enormous because they don't have to police content. Now, the moment they start policing content, oof. And listen, there's lots of horrible stuff out there. There really is lots of horrible stuff out there on the internet. I mean, my heavens, I tried opening up a Telegram channel and, um, 
let's just say it was a the kind of flood of gay porn even I'm not used to. So they gained an unfair advantage relative to newspapers and magazines and other kinds of websites that police their content or, or curate their content. They gained an enormous advantage relative to those companies. And the reason why they've been able to target people who want to reach customers, like the reason they've been able to sell such targeted ads, these uh, like Facebook and, and Twitter and, and Google, the reason they've been able to sell such targeted ads is because they've been immune from prosecution or lawsuits based upon content. And that's all hinging upon neutrality. So if it can be shown that they are no longer neutral, then they would then be subject to content. They would be subject to legal repercussions for the content that is posted. If that were to ever occur, these companies would entirely collapse because you can't possibly hire enough people to police content, then there's no possibility of profitability, right? Everything to do with software has to be automated in order for it to be profitable, right? So that is, uh, that's the basic issue. Uh, and there has been, of course, a very big change with regards to Twitter deciding to put a fact check on one of Trump's tweets. Hmm, that is a very, very big deal. Oh, look at that. My system is interrupts are kicking up again. Why? Yeah, just because, right? So, yeah, it is a very, very, a very big, big deal. And uh, we will see. We will see, of course, what happens that. Princess Unicorn says, if you hadn't been horribly abused by your mother, but instead was treated really well, would you still be the same philosopher? I just watched your Charles Manson analysis. That is a very good question. which means I don't like the answer. The answer is I would not be as good a father if I had not been treated as badly as a child. Uh, almost for certain. Almost for certain. Uh, Eduardo says, I, how do I keep consistency in my studies? I don't know what that... I don't know what that means. Is it okay to try and convince people there's no fire in a burning theater? Yeah, the fire in a burning theater, it's always given as an example of free speech. never actually happened. It's never actually... It's never actually happened. All right. Take a couple more questions. What the hell is going on in Hong Kong? Oh, Chinese communists are making their move. They hate it. They hate Hong Kong. Hong Kong exists as a beacon to show what China could have been if the Soviet communists and the U.S. State Department had not screwed over the Chinese people and handed them over to Chairman Mao in the, in the 1940s. So there was like a 10-year war between the nationalists and the communists in China and the State Department communists, uh, absolute spies, the kind of people that McCarthy was trying to root out, the kind of people who also helped hand over Eastern Europe to the Soviets uh, to give them a multi-decade experience of the absolute horrors of communism, they portrayed Chairman Mao as an agrarian reformer, right? This was always the big garbage phrase for communism, an agrarian reformer. And they, Chiang Kai-shek, who was his opponent, they downplayed him uh, and said he was a bad guy, a nationalist, a nativist, don't you know, right? So they uh, armed the communists and starved out the nationalists, and communism won. And um, they weren't able to take Hong Kong in the same way that North Korea was taken by the communists and South Korea was not. Um, I, 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 like I get, I get so unbelievably emotional about this stuff that uh, I really can't talk about it. 
uh, very, very easily because um, I just think of the amount of, you know, that scene in Fargo where the guy's being fed into the wood chipper. That's the Chinese people. That's the North Koreans. That's the Russians. That's the Eastern Europeans. That's the Cubans. That's the Cambodians. The North Vietnamese. It's 100 million plus people chewed up and destroyed by the communists. Now, people say real communism has never been tried because they want to hurt people. It's, it's manifested sadism almost completely. Like Trump was tweeting about getting out of North, sorry, getting out of um, Afghanistan. Do you know that it's estimated that 50% of the rural males in Afghanistan practice straight up pedophilia? They're straight up pedophiles. Communism is the desire to torture, starve, bully, terrify, rape adults and children without consequences. It is simply a way of making sure that you have all the power to escape negative consequences for the evils that you want to do. It's all communism is. Permission to be extravagant and consequence-free in your pursuit of evil. Massively subsidized evil, that's all communism fundamentally is. So it is, uh, it's horrifying. Hong Kong is, is being swallowed up. Now, of course, they should treat China the way that North Korea is treated in terms of isolation, although China is far more dangerous than North Korea. So. Uh, I did also... Hello, I'm Turkish, says Jackson. Hello, uh, very, very pleased to meet you. What do you think about the Norwegian woman that was conned out of $250,000 by a guy she met on Tinder? Oh, I hope he was well hung and she got her money's worth, all I can tell you. All right, a couple more questions. How do you grow the courage to walk away from a girl in your life that you're bonded with, not sexually still a virgin, but still know it's best to walk away? Well, think of the great woman who's waiting for you instead. Think of the love that you can get to rather than the torture that you're in. Listen, I'm going to tell you, I... I I spent a, a lot of years in relationships that were good, but not great. They kind of trundled along, but always had problems. I met my wife by accident. We were on the same volleyball team, and we were all supposed to go out as a team. Other people had various things they had to do, so it turned out that my wife, future wife and I went out for that evening. I had the most amazing conversation. Do you know what's funny? So I paid for dinner, and I kept the, the folder from the restaurant you know, that leather folder that the, uh, the dinner comes in, the, the, men, the, the uh, bill comes in. I kept that. I didn't even know why. I didn't even notice till later. I hung on to that. We didn't see each other the next day because it was Valentine's Day and you can't really have a first date on Valentine's Day. And then we barely spent a day apart. Within a couple of months, we were engaged. Within a year, we were married. We've been married close to 20 years now. Never been a moment's doubt. I'm telling you, like... No, I know what it's like to doubt a relationship. I know what it's like to be absolutely, completely uncertain that there's no upgrade possible from the person that you're with. That's really, really important. She can't do better than me. I can't possibly do better than her. And that doesn't mean that we're the best people in the known universe. It just means, you know, it's like that old Grace Jones song, I'm not perfect, but I'm perfect for you. And when things are right, there's no doubt. Like, there's just no doubt. You just know. If you're sitting there, maybe, maybe, maybe. No, it's not right. It's not right. All right. 
Mr. Molyneux, are you familiar with the Political Islam channel? If so, what say you? Dr. Bill Warner's channel. I did an interview with Dr. Warner, and uh, he is a very powerful uh, speaker, and you should share his stuff and all of that. So, Will you sync your channel to the LBRY or library platform? Yes, I already have, and you should do that for sure. Uh, right. What books do you recommend? Uh, I will put a whole page together and all of that. Uh, George Floyd Killing, uh, just rewind. I did all of that. I'm 50, single, lonely, sad life. Wish I had kids. Oh, I'm sorry about that. If you're a dude, then you can still have kids. Uh, if you are not a dude, uh, you, you can't. So. Please do the truth about George Floyd. There are too many holes in the story at the moment. Um, so I will certainly... Uh, what is your opinion on the U.S. stimulus check of $2 trillion? Well, it's garbage. I mean, they'll just give you a bunch of money and then inflation will hit and you'll lose more than you got. So, Steph, do you believe in mycochimerism? Are our children made up in some way of the DNA of every male the woman has slept with? I think that has been disproven. So um, I think that's not. Why is there a low birth rate? So I posted on Twitter a, a, a video of a young woman who smacked, she, she was towering over a boy who was sitting. She smacked him in the head and then he punched her. And then she howled and screamed and, and then she tried to attack him. He just kind of shrugged her off. So it's like this, um, it's like this, and it's probably not true, but it's just kind of funny, this meme where it's like what women think they're going to do when the economy collapses. And it's like Katniss from the Hunger Games with her bow. And then what they'll really do, and it's a bunch of basically prostitutes on a street corner, uh, not true, of course, but it's kind of funny. So what happens is that men and women fit together very well, and they have to be different. It's like two jigsaw puzzles or a plug in a socket, so to speak, or a penis in a vagina. They have to be different in order for it to be good, right? And so if you can convince women to be like men, and if you can convince men to be like women, we'll lose our attraction for each other, which is why you see all of this. Like, look at Jennifer Garner, right? So she was in this delicious buck-kicking, kick-ass show, Alias, which was a pretty entertaining show. And uh, she was like a dude, right? She was just uh, kicking and fighting and, and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, you see all these ridiculous shows where these women take on, like, three guys three times their size and just beat the hell out of them. Easy peasy. It's all garbage. It's all nonsense. Uh, women, almost no women, Ronda Rousey accepted, can beat men in a fight, even just average and average. There's uh, a guy named, gosh, what was his name? Man, Woman, Myth? I don't know if his channel's still going, but he had a channel a while ago, years ago, I guess now. And what he had was, um, it was a woman trying to break down a door to rescue a guy in some game show, or it was like some sort of, um, maybe it was a game show, maybe it was her trying to be a fireman or something. And then there was, and she was a trained woman and she just couldn't break the door down. And there was just some guy who wasn't even trained, just basically walks up and pushes the door in and open it goes, right? So men and women are different. And the more that you can convince women to be like men, and the more that you can convince men to be like women, the less they'll be attracted to each other, the more problems they're going to have in the relationship, and the lower the birth rate will become, which is why when you look at who's in charge of the media, you can sort of understand why they have this uh, mandate to empower women and to feminize men. So, yeah, it's terrible. Man, woman, myth left the internet years ago? Oh, that's all right. All right. Shall we uh, just do one more, more question? How do I keep the demons at bay? I just got the super shotgun, but I'm constantly out of ammo. Oh, I'd really love to get back into that game. It's really, really, uh, really be tough. Uh, right. Let's see here. 
Muhammad hijab would be a great discussion for or against Islam. He's well known in the UK. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's so much I disagree with with regards to Islam, but uh, you got to respect people who take their beliefs seriously enough to try and spread them, right? So, all of that, right? All right, welcome to DLive, says Spiderbib. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. How much did you enjoy Doom Eternal? I'm still playing. I haven't played in a while, and uh, I will. Uh, uh, I do enjoy it. I think it's a very, very good game, except for some of the jumpy puzzles, which are just a little annoying. So, COVID is linked to more babies in December. Yeah, could well be. Could well be. You should try Terminator Resistance. Oh, is that a video game? Do a video on propaganda, please. Uh, do you think? Do you think I should? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Have you listened to Jordan Peterson's Unilectures about Christianity and psychology? Uh, I like Jordan Peterson. Um, it's been pretty tough. I'll be, I'll be straight up with you guys. I like him a lot. Very thoughtful guy. Very smart guy. The guy's carrying a burden, though, man. My God. I mean, I mean I've had cancer. Uh, I was abused as a child. Um, I get slammed on, like, way worse than him by the media. Uh, and I get demonetized and be platformed and chased all over the internet. I get, you know, God knows everything, right? I'm still pretty positive and peppy and, and enjoying my life and, and all of that. Uh, so there's like a, not a bounciness to the guy. There's, you know, like, yeah, I've read the Gulag Archipelago. It doesn't mean that I have to hang pictures of Stalin all over my walls and have this haunted skinny jean stare from here to eternity. So um, I think he tried to take on too much too fast. And, you know, it's funny, too, because I was pretty early on in the guy's career giving him a boost, which I'm very happy to have done, and, and I have no regrets about that. It's always the kind of thing, like, I don't know why it is that people who are kind of new to the scene don't, I don't know, just, like, listen, if you're new to the scene and you're being hounded and blasted and all of that, like, give me a call. I'm, I'm happy to help. I've been dealing with this stuff for almost 15 years. I have a lot of battle scars. I've got a lot of experience on how to handle this kind of stuff, you know. Just give me a call. I was actually talking to a YouTuber last night who's facing just hell on earth. I gave him like an hour. Uh, we chatted. It was really helpful for him, I think. I know. And I just, you know, if Jordan Peterson had called me up and said, you know, whew, you know, they're really coming at me hard. I'm really, really stressed. I'd be like, I've got some experience with this stuff and, you know, I could be helpful. But I guess everyone has their pride and, and or maybe just maybe he doesn't like me. I don't know. It could be any number of things. But, you know, his daughter abandoning her husband and child to go hang around with this really pretty gross guy and I don't know it's just and I don't know there's there's stuff there there's stuff there that is is a challenge for me so I have not uh, he's uh, Jordan Peterson is posting I don't know what is uh uh, what is going on? Plus, you know, the guy, uh, Jordan Peterson, did work with the UN and did some pretty unsavory stuff while all of that is, uh, it's, uh, it's pretty bad. Uh, Steph, do you offer a therapy-like service? Is it possible to contact you about that? I don't do therapy. Uh, therapy is like, well, you got to be trained, you, you got to diagnose, and uh, it, it's, it's a multi, you know, multi-session situation. It's private. Uh, I, I do philosophy conversations, and I, I think philosophy can be helpful with people's personal lives and all of that, but no, I don't, uh, I don't do anything like that, so... I do have a, a, a podcast. I think it's 1927, How to Find a Great Therapist. You can find that at fdrpodcast.com, and that will help, right? Let's see here. But what happened to Peterson could happen to you as well, right? You have a daughter. 
No, things aren't that random, I think, in life. Uh, ben says, Hi, Steph. I don't understand how identifying childhood abuse helps. How do I apply that to my life? If talking to parents leads to no resolution, how does that stop the long-lasting effects? Um, if talking to parents leads to no resolution, then you stop talking to them. I mean, maybe I'm, you know, like if you go to a restaurant and it's closed, you stop trying to go into the restaurant, right? So uh, if, if you're talking to your parents about abuse that you suffered and they reject, they deny, they attack, they abuse, they gaslight, they, all of that kind of stuff, you know, give it a couple of tries, man, really, uh, give it a couple of tries. And it's well worth doing that. You know, I think it's Dr. Phil who says you kind of got to earn your way out of a relationship. So if you have people in your life who are abusive or difficult or destructive or greedy or exploitive or just plain boring, just plain boring. The way that I work with it, at least the way that I worked with my own mother, I said, okay, well, if I met my mother at a party or at a dinner party, I was sat next to her, would I become close to her? And the answer, of course, is like, no, gosh, no, or rather, hell no, right? You have to dig history out of your relationships, right? You know, if I met my wife now, I'd want to marry her tomorrow, right? If I just, because she's a great, great woman. And so the, all the people in my life are the people that I choose based upon current value rather than historical inertia. So don't rely on historical inertia to maintain your relationships. Keep them alive, keep them present, and ask yourself, not like every day, but ask yourself on a regular basis, is this working for me? Uh, am I providing value? Am I getting value? Is this positive? Is this, is this win-win? If it's not, find a way to make it win-win. And if you can't find a way to make it win-win, make it win-gone, right? So, yeah. You, you don't owe your parents a lifelong allegiance, right? My entire goal has been to privatize the family, to make the family a choice rather than an absolute. Privatize the family. If your parents can't be fired, there's no incentive to do a great job, right? So, All right. Uh, I'm 30. And speaking to multiple women at once, how should I choose one? Do you not like any of them more? Then stop wasting their time and yours. All right. Yeah, what mother, what mother would your future kids want to have? Absolutely. Uh, let's see here. How can you combat feeling like a burden? I was recently diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. I had a slight fever of 99.3 yesterday. My body rebelled. I felt trapped behind a drunk mind speech coordination. I'm so sorry about that. That is a very, very tough thing to deal with. Combat feeling like a burden. So if you're deficient in one area in life, in other words, if you're a burden to people because of, you know, physical issues beyond your control, which I hugely sympathize with, um, then you need to make up for it in other ways, right? So if you are a negative because of your physical requirements, make yourself a positive in other ways. Maybe be more engaging, more enjoyable, more challenging, maybe work on your comedy. Not that you have to be an act, but, you know, bring good humor and positivity to the situation. Be inspiring in some way or another. So you just, you have to make up for things, right? Hello, Freeze Peach. Uh, Steph, you helped me find my own way and learn on my own. I hope to make a video presentation as a way to test my own knowledge against the world. I think it's a great idea. I think it's a wonderful idea. You can tell a lot about someone by how their kids turn out. And Jordan Peterson's daughter is a single mom with an eating disorder. I think she went back to her family. I don't know about the eating disorder thing. So, Wrap it in latex or she'll get your paychecks. That's <laughs> pretty funny. Uh, have you thought about playing Nier Automata? It's a very philosophy-laden video game disguised as Weibo Trash. 
I don't know what that means. <laughs> it's fairly English to me. Uh, I don't really have a lot of time to play video games. Uh, I'll do the Doom thing, but even that uh, has been pretty pretty tough. So, Why is it now that the various U.S. states are reopening after coronavirus, the media is focusing or encouraging racial divide? Okay, so like every every election year, the U.S. media will focus on ginning up racial animosity. Uh, it's just the way that things go. Um, blacks overwhelmingly vote for Democrats. But apparently, you see, making collective judgments about blacks who overwhelmingly vote Democrat is wrong. And so, um, and uh, Candace uh, Owens has been working on this with her Blexit uh, um, work, and, and other people, of course, been working on this as well, just sort of trying to say, look, there are other options than Democrats for blacks. So, um, so the way that the media tries to rope in blacks to make sure they don't vote Republican as they say, well, basically all Republicans are racist, white people who are older and who hate blacks. And so they will gin up all of this racial animosity in order to make sure that they don't lose blacks to a uh, slightly more free market and free speech um, political organization. So, uh, yes. Now, of course, the um, uh, some of the states are saying that they're not going to reopen basically until there's a vaccine or until after um, the fall or after November. Oh, that's clear, right? They just want the economy to be in the toilet so that tons of people are dependent upon the state. And therefore, uh, those people will want Democrats who will hand out more free goods, right? So they can, they're trying to get people um, to lose the habit of working, right? And, and this is already working, right? <laughs> Losing the habit of working is already working. So there's a whole bunch of people who have, you know, crappy jobs and very few prospects or whatever, and they are now getting money from the government instead of working, and so they don't want to go back to work. And in fact, there are restaurants that are trying to reopen. They're calling up people and they're saying, hey, man, you've got to come back to work or I want to, I want to rehire you. And they're like, oh, forget this, man. Oh, my, I got money coming out the wazoo for the foreseeable future. I can live on some savings. I'm going to get stimulus checks. Maybe then I'll go on welfare. Like they've just cracked, particularly in the lower classes, they've cracked the back of work. And they've turned people from productive members of society into leeches off the body politic and so they don't want the economy to start back up again. See, the left in America and the Democrats have gone really far left, right? So the left in America, they want elderly capitalism to die so that they can inherit socialism and communism, right? And so, like, if, you, if there's some elderly grandmother who's going to give you a million dollars when she dies and you hate her guts and she's dying and then she's like, wow, look at that. My cancer went into remission and I'm feeling great. You'll be really frustrated and upset. Like, you want her to die so you can get the million dollars, and because you hate her, right? It's the same thing with the left in America and throughout the West with the remnants of the free market and free speech. They just want it to die so they can inherit all of this stuff, right? All right. Am I jealous of Jordan Peterson? Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? Would you want that life? The important thing in life is not to be Jordan Peterson, not to sell millions of books, not to be worldwide tours. Not... The important thing in life is to be happy. And... I wish him the best. I, I wish him the best. I'm, I'm happy to chat with the guy anytime. Genuinely wish him the best. He's a great guy in many ways. But he can't be happy looking at the wreckage of his daughter's marriage, looking at this benzodiazepine addiction and this horrible situation that he was in, which, you know, that is a nasty barbed hook to pull out of your cheek, man. That can go on for a long time. And I don't think that uh, it's a very happy life. So why did you give money to your mom? You, you've never heard any of this honor thy mother and thy father stuff? Come on. Do you agree with Hume's guillotine? I imagine that's the main talking point for rationality rules. I guess I'll wait and see. Yes! Four o'clock. Eastern Standard. All right. Um, you guys are way too interesting. 
Uh, am I am I planning to do more communism versus Molyneux debates soon? I love them. Yeah, you find me some. Find me some. I do like Marcus Aurelius, if that helps. Is metaphysics useful? Yes, it is. Absolutely. Um, I was saying this to someone the other day. One of the greatest trainings in philosophy that I got was a year and a half of brutal, difficult, but fairly well-paid manual labor when I worked up in northern Ontario, northern Manitoba, northern Quebec, uh, as a gold panner and prospector and Piongear driller, which sounds more erotic than it actually was. Um, you can't screw around with reality when you're two days from the closest hospital and you can't get injured. Like, you have to be really careful. You can't, oh, is this a simulation? Oh, am I, am I the dream of the dolphin? Like, none of that garbage matters. You have to have, like, this is why I can't really take philosophers very seriously who've not had hard manual labor in their life for a particular amount of time. All right. The imagine is unfocused. Oh, yeah, sorry, it's on autofocus. I should turn that off. <sighs> All right. Uh, let's see here. I feel like I want to put my voice out there, but I haven't got my personal life 100% in order. Is it a stupid idea? Should I try? Or should being vocal or learning along the way be part of my journey? Oh, yeah. Don't wait. You're waiting for perfection. You'll just wait till you're dead, right? I mean, you, you can't wait for perfection. You know, like, so I'll give you an example. I was earlier talking about social media, and I completely forgot an important point. Look at that. It was imperfect. So let me just circle back, and maybe I'll close off with this. So with regards to the social media companies, right? So Twitter made a bold move in putting a fact check on Trump's tweet. It's a bold move, man. But they don't do this stuff. They don't just allow it to happen. There's lots of discussions. Can we get away with it? What are the consequences going to be? What's going to happen? And so they put it on. Now Trump's blustering and saying, and, and they knew that was going to anger Trump right in an election year, and they were going to be accused of election meddling, and they would face losing their immunity from, from uh, lawsuits. They would face maybe regulation or being broken up uh, in the way that they threatened to do with Microsoft after it bundled Internet Explorer in Windows 95 or 90, 95, I think it was, and in the way that they did with IBM for 13 years when the DOJ just shredded them. Listen, the DOJ starts sitting on your company with antitrust stuff. Nobody wants to work there. Nobody wants to work there. Nobody wants to sit there and have to keep talking under oath to government officials. Nobody wants to say, oh, you can't, you can't create that, man, because that could be too successful and we're trying to avoid antitrust. Like it, it just destroyed the company. It destroyed the company. The good managers leave, the talented engineers leave, and, and the, you can't rebuild it afterwards because nobody wants to come back, right? The whole culture gets wrecked. And so, you know, Jack is a smart guy. Jack Dorsey is a smart guy. And they had, I'm sure, hours and hours of discussions of, okay, can we do this? And I bet you, I, be, I don't have any proof, right? I bet you that they had inside information. Social media companies have inside information in the GOP, and they have assurances that the GOP is not going to support a move against big tech before the election. Now, if they get away with it before the election, there's no way, given how leftist most big tech companies are, there's no way that if uh, Joe Biden gets in that they're going to face any negative repercussions for what they did. In fact, they'll be able to go much further with it, right? So, yeah, they're doing a calculated gamble to try and get Biden in. Because he's a weak candidate, so you you know mail in ballots, which will be massive fraud, and uh, you know people putting their finger on the scale in social media to tilt it to the left. Uh, that's a big thing. Now, of course, if you're a politician and you want to go against big tech, what does big tech have on you, right? They, maybe they have your emails, maybe they have your search history, maybe they have I don't know what the, your documents, right? What do they have on you, right? It's a big, big, tough thing to go against uh, big tech. All right. Yeah, a, a, a donation would be would be bloody great. It's brutal at the moment, man. It's brutal. I got to tell you straight up, it's brutal. 
at the moment. If you can go to freedomain.com forward slash donate and help out, man, I don't want to cry on camera, but it's pretty rough, man. It's pretty, pretty bloody rough. All right. Do I think Freddie Mercury's parents were good parents? No, uh, no, they were very distant from their son. And um, he didn't even tell them about his homosexuality until right before he died. So yeah, freedomain.com forward slash donate. All right. Well, listen, um, I think I'm getting bed sores on my butt. Um, it's very comfortable to sit here and it's very nice to not be in the studio for once. So, uh, and I wanted to give this kind of thing a try. And what are we going? Yeah, hour and a half. Come on. That's a pretty good, pretty good chat. First of all, love you guys. Thank you so much for dropping by, for joining in the conversation. Um, sorry about the technical issues, but uh, it's just nice to be out of the studio and in a more comfortable chair. So uh, have yourselves a wonderful, wonderful evening. Please don't forget, check out my documentaries, freedomain.com forward slash documentaries, especially the Hong Kong one. I will be putting out the final California one, uh, probably this coming weekend. Don't forget to come 4 p.m. Eastern Standard to this channel to watch my debate with Rationality Rules. And uh, thanks a lot for dropping by. It was a great pleasure, you guys. Lots of love from here. I'll talk to you soon.